Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about 4 Online. For over a decade, 4 Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so go get outfitters today. So visit them online at 4WheelOnline or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4WheelOnline, the number 4WheelOnline. This is the Hard Parking Podcast brought to you by Right Honda out of Scottsdale, Arizona. I am your host, Jay Finning. Coming up on today's show, 15 minutes with the Adam Corolla. For the Q&A segment, I am joined by Joe Tenalia of Right Honda. His first time actually being on the show. We answer all your crazy questions. And find out why Ozzy B decided to sell not one, but two Acura NSXs. Bought an NC1, which is the 2017 to 2022 Acura NSX. Before we go any further, I just got back from Disneyland. Got a couple takeaways from that trip that I would go ahead and share them with you all. First off, the hotel that we were staying at, at the JW Marriott in Anaheim. Really nice, but I went down to get a drink. I got a Macallan 12. For me, the Macallan 12 is kind of an old standby I usually pick between that and Glenfiddich. Every once in a while, I get something like Blanton's if it's available. That's an $18 to $22 drink, the Macallan 12, really, worst case, $25. That was a $35 drink. Let me explain this to you. Now, it's easy to say, okay, you're in Anaheim, you're by Disneyland, everything's going to be a lot more expensive. And I don't necessarily subscribe to that as someone who used to travel every week and stay at multiple hotels and order multiple drinks. And that's usually how I kind of weigh the pricing on a menu. It's a scale. If I say, okay, well, let me look at the stuff that I'm used to paying money for, and that'll tell me ultimately if the steak is overpriced, if the liquor is overpriced. 30 bucks for a Macallan 12. I don't think it was the triple cask, but it better have been for that amount of money. Because the very next night, we were eating at a very popular Mexican restaurant located just outside a couple of nightclubs. And I noticed they had Clas Azul Reposado, which is my favorite tequila. And they had Don Julio 1942, which is my wife's favorite tequila. These bottles are 180 bucks each on a good day retail. Give or take 20 bucks, depending on where you are in the world, depending on where you are in the country. One of them ended up being 30 bucks. One of them was 35. So you're telling me the Mac 12 costs as much as Don Julio 1942 or Clas Azul Reposado. Get out of here. Second takeaway is we took our freshly minted three-year-old grandson. That's right. I said grandson. Well, we had a lot of fun. Let me go back to something. So my wife's always done this thing. And I was like, look, the kid's not going to remember. It may seem like the kid's having a good time. But these kids, they don't know any difference between going to the park and sliding down the slide and yelling and screaming or taking them to Wolf Lodge, which she's done before. So this was no different. I said, why? Here's the deal. It's, it's like the baby shower or the kid's first birthday is always the big one. And it's really for you, the parent. It's for everybody else. It's not for the kid. The kid has no idea. You're creating memories for you. You're not creating memories for them. And even if you show them pictures when they get older, they still don't remember that. It's just proof that you weren't a total jerk when they were one years old, that you actually threw this larger than life, probably the most expensive birthday party you're ever going to throw for the kid when they turned one. So it's this thing where you see people do this all the time. Sometimes you travel with infants because you have no one to watch your kids. But, you know, when you do these things, you're like, well, I'm doing it for them, for the memories. The memories are for you. Make no mistake. And there's nothing wrong with that. But make no mistake, those memories are for you. They're not for the child. So we end up going to Disneyland. We take little Zeke. And that, by the way, his mother should be doing that, not grandpa and grandma. But we had a lot of fun. But just saying, 
My wife said, hey, I want to take Zeke. I said, hey, why don't you ask his mother first if it's okay that we kidnap her son for a weekend? So she asked, and of course she said yes, because she's at that age where she's more than happy just to, like, I don't want to deal with him. You guys, I'm living the life. I have no responsibility, very little. Don't pay rent, don't pay anything else. It's another long story. But just before we leave, she says, goodbye. Mommy's going to miss you. Nana didn't invite me. Nana is what my wife wants to go by instead of grandma because she hates being called a grandma, which I understand. But it is what it is. You are the grandma. Sorry, babe. You are the grandma. But for my daughter to throw that jab in there, it really upset my wife. And I said, wait a minute. Why are you upset? This is who she is. If she wanted to go, she could have told you a month ago, two months ago, when you said, hey, can we take your son? Yeah, sure. Instead of, oh, I want to go. Mother's out there. Father's out there. Don't wait for your parents to plan these events for your children. If you're really trying to spend time with them, you plan those events, and then you ask other people if they want to go. But don't pull this shit at the last minute and say, well, I was never invited. It's your kid. You should be the one initiating this. Don't lean on mommy and daddy for making the plans for your child and then getting upset if you aren't included. So anyway, we're at Disneyland, and I will say this. There's a certain sort of patience you need to have when dealing with a child. So for those of you who have children, you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who do not, listen to me. Don't spend a ton of money going to some big theme park or to some big event. Take them to the local park. Take them in the yard. Turn the water hose on and spray them off. They're going to have just as much of a fun time than if you go and spend $1,200 or so for a weekend out. Plus, you don't limit to yourself because this poor kid, half the stuff that would have been more fun, he's not tall enough to go on. By the way, his favorite four words are, I don't want to. No matter what it is, even if he does want to, that's his favorite words. I don't want to blah, blah, blah. But I don't want to blah, blah, blah. And while he was pretty good, he only lost his shit once. And that was on Saturday. And that was in front of me because I wouldn't let him crawl underneath the rope to get to Mickey Mouse. He started to, and I pulled him back, and he just lost his shit. So as I kneel down in front of him, he is just screaming. He found this high pitch recently that that's just that's his go-to. And he's staring at me and screaming, and his eyes are getting welled. They're, 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 they're welling up. And I'm like, why are you screaming? Why are you screaming? You can't go over there to see Mickey. And at that point, you can't rationalize, which everybody listening to this with small children know. There's no rationalization with a toddler. Nothing makes sense. It will never make sense. Half the shit you're saying to them, they're hearing for the first time. They have no idea. There's no context. But it takes a certain amount of patience. And it's one of those things where I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? You're my grandson. You're not my immediate child. There's only so much I'm willing to put up with someone who's not my immediate kid. You are damn lucky you are adorable. But this shit has got to stop. And that was Saturday. Sunday, that was, that was after a long day at the park. Sunday, by noon, this kid had already busted out crying four times over stupid shit. Stuff that doesn't make sense. Because he's three. Fortunately... Sunday, we were on the side of the park that has all the booze. So we bought two very strong drinks and just drank them while he sat there and complained about whatever it was he was complaining about. But I would say do not find yourself. Don't fall for it. Do not go to Disney or anywhere that's financially heavy until the child is five, six, seven, or uh, older. Because not only can you will you not be restricted on any ride, but at least you can rationalize with a kid. And if they're still going to be a pain in the ass or a big brat, at least you know and they know what they're saying. And you can hold it against them later. Three-year-old means nothing to them. The adventure means nothing to them. Those are my opinions. A couple other takeaways. People who record video from 800 yards away at night why don't you go ahead and kill the smartphone light? 
that light is on there to record things within a certain distance of you, not the back of someone's head when you're trying to watch fireworks. It's disruptive. Go ahead and swipe to the control center or whatever software interface and go ahead and turn that light off. It's the same thing as being in a restaurant. You want to take a photo of your food. I'm one of those people. I always double check to make sure my flash is off. There's nothing more embarrassing and amateur at a restaurant when your flash goes off and you're the only one sitting at the table. Last point, nobody does fireworks like Disney. A few years ago, we went to Disney World, which you know the whole thing I said about the kids earlier? You're going to get to a certain point where it's not cool to hang out with you anymore. Leave those son of a bitches at home. We took our kids to Disney and they were teenagers and they didn't want to do anything that was remotely fun. Last day, they'd rather stay in the room, eat pizza, and watch SpongeBob. So my wife and I, we went to Epcot. We had a great time. Watched the fireworks. Great time. Nobody does fireworks like Disney. Nobody. I will challenge you on that. Nobody does fireworks like Disney. If you disagree, hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. Coming up, Mr. Adam Corolla. This next guest is very special to me, brought to you by The Cell Shop, an Arizona-based retailer that strives to be your destination of choice for wireless services. Visit them at cellshop.us. Adam. Yeah. First off, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have only a few minutes. Yeah, I'm flattered. So one of the questions that I do have for your conversations first, because we're going to get to, I think, uh, you know, the Chassis Media and Pluto TV in a second is, you know, there's this big disconnect. So I've been around you. And one of the things that people walk up and say to you is, hey, it's it's Adam Carolla. I, hey, man, I used to watch you on The Man Show. And it's it's been so long. And there's so many things you've done since then, which obviously include the documentaries and being the podcast king and fighting the patent trolls a few years ago. Is there still a big disconnect between people who consume stuff on TV and maybe audio via podcast? I don't know, you know, where we're at as a nation or world in terms of, you know, consuming entertainment or or infotainment. I mean, we were, you know, I know what young people do. They don't even, you know, they cut the cable, you know, they they watch everything on their phone. Um, You know, what what I've just sort of come to grips with is... um, Oh, there's a lot of people and they know you from a lot of different places and I've just come to terms with it. Some some know you from radio or know me from radio, know me from man show, some some watch catch a contract or some read the books, some listen to the podcast. I it's it's just uh you know, I guess it's important to be diversified. I guess I am. And I don't really think about it much. I just I just put my info out there as much as I can, and I'll let the chips fall where they may. Well, I can say with all the different podcasts you have out there, you know, whether it's Reasonable Doubt or Ace on the House or and even, you know, my wife and I, I got her turned on to you with, you know, Adam and Dr. Drew. And even when Catch a Contractor was was on TV, which we both love that show. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a good show. You know, people sometimes bring it up and they say, uh, why is that show not on the air anymore? And I just go, I don't know. <laughs> we did it for three seasons and now we don't. I, I've always been very sort of uh, neutral about that, uh, agnostic about it. It just you, you work and then you stop working and then you go work some somewhere else. I guess I've been philosophical about it. Speaking of working years ago, and you probably still touch on this. So I'm like yourself, I didn't make a lot of money for the longest amount of time. And then I started doing healthcare contracting and I wouldn't say that I'm a rich guy, but the first year I did that, I made more, I paid more money in taxes than I'd ever made in any given year. And you know, there's a big thing out there where people say, well, rich people need to pay more taxes and, you know, they need to pay their fair share. And I know that's kind of a hot point for you, but I don't know why people don't kind of understand, like not everybody can write everything off like Bezos. 
So we're right. not talking corporations, but like people don't understand. I think when it when you go from making twenty four thousand a year to like one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year, you hit this other tax bracket. I mean, do you think that's just something people just aren't going to understand and keep pointing up at the people who make more money? Like, I'm not trying to defend rich guy here, but to me, it's just kind of basic math. Like, the more you make, the more you pay, the more they take. People are simplistic about things, but they also buy into narratives that they're predisposed to buy into. You know, white supremacy is a big problem. You know, we live in a racist nation. You know, rich people don't pay taxes. Rich people don't care about poor people. You know, all corporations just basically make money off the backs of the workers they exploit. You know, it's it's all just sort of convenient thinking for people who don't want to think. And it's also a way for people to kind of protect themselves. Um my mom said to me, I don't know, five years ago, you know, well, but people don't pay taxes. And it's like, well, first off, be intellectually honest. How, how would the math pencil out if, if poor people don't pay taxes and rich people don't pay taxes? Then who pays tax? Who's paying the taxes? Now, my mom has never really paid taxes. She's been kind of welfare and food stamps and right. other people have. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Adam. You're, you grew up with white privilege, right? <laughs> yeah, that was me. So, um, so in a way she has to assuage her kind of guilt for not contributing. Right. So how does one sort of, how does someone square that that circle? And the way to do it is just to make these proclamations about rich people. And then once you've figured out or once you've made the proclamation that rich people don't pay taxes, then you don't. It's, it's also just it's an overly simplistic pablum that politicians know is, is BS and. I, I obviously pay tons in taxes, and the fair share argument, you know, literally, if you use fair share fairly, pardon the pun, right. then you just go, how many families live in California? And you go, I don't know, 10 million. Okay, 20 million. Okay, what is the average amount that those families pay in? Uh, the average amount is 20 seven thousand uh, dollars a year okay well then that's my share right i, I mean in, in, unless i'm receiving something that is beyond above and beyond what other people are receiving um then my fair share is whatever that number is and I, i'd be more than happy to pay my fair share but i don't pay my fair share i pay a thousand times more sure. than my fair share while getting no extra benefits whatsoever. So I would, I would literally use the share argument against them. I would, I, if you told me and uh, any of my wealthy friends that uh, they were literally going to now pay their share, literally their shares, if we're all sitting at a dinner table and the check came by and it was trying to whack it up five ways, well, th that would be the best day them and their accountants ever, ever had. Right. No, you gotta, you're going to be picking up a few of those meals around that table. It, it, it always bugs the crap out of me. I just heard Obama sit down and do an interview where he does this really kind of casual thing where he goes, uh, you know, there's a lot of rich people out there that uh, they're rich and, uh, you know, they're not paying their fair share. And, and oh, what's, what's wrong with them paying just a couple extra dollars so that let's say a mother could could have could have child care. It's like when he says it that way, it's always like, of course. What what's wrong with a, a guy who's wealthy paying a little bit more so uh, someone could have, in need could have child care? But obviously, it never works that way. It's just them trying to get more money from everyone all the time. And that mother never seems to find 
her child care. But I, I would just basically argue, what what is it my business if you have kids and you don't you don't want to take care of them? That's not my business. That's your job. Yeah, that's right along. So there's a video you did you did a few years ago that I send to everybody. You know, I won't tell you who to vote for, but I'll tell you who not to vote for. And that's kind of like that perfect. <laughs> that's kind of like that perfect example. I, I love hearing your podcast, obviously, but when I tell people that you know I've met Adam before, and the guy is quiet as hell. Like he really doesn't say shit unless you walk up to him and start a conversation. And the first reaction is always, "Really?" You know, it, it's you kind of keep to yourself like that. Is that just you know? Is it because you're hyper vigilant? You just you know don't want to be like, "Hey guys, I'm showing up with my you know banana yellow suit." So I want everybody to know who I am. Now you show up in kind of a non-assuming, kind of a flannel top, you know, with Sonny and, and, and the rest of the crew, and you just kind of keep to yourself. You know, is that just something that's happened over the years, or has just kind of always been like that? I've always been uh, kind of, you know, fly under the radar guy. I've never owned a convertible. I don't really like being front and center. I like observing you know kind of quietly looking at people and life and the way people work and i've always been that way and then when it's time to say something it's time to say something that's that's kind of the way i've always been but i you know i i think maybe some people look at it as some sort of duplicitous uh approach to life i've never really thought of it that way i'm I'm quiet most of the time. I I do like to observe and study. And then when it's time to talk, it's time to talk. But also I get paid to talk. So, it, you know, I, I don't. True. <laughs> I, 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 it, it's kind of my job. So I, I do realize there's a, a part of it that is like any job. You have to show up and you have to produce. It's your it's your job. And I. I, and that's, uh, that's how I approach life. And then when you're off the clock, you can go back to being quiet. You know, how long did it take you to get used to doing things like Monterey historics, you know, stuff you typically see the second generation wealthy, you know, the pebble beach type polo type person do, but you're that guy, you still remain incredibly blue collar in your appearance, but how long did it take you to get used to that to, go from, holy shit, I can't believe I'm here, to, eh, I'll be there, and we'll just kind of hang out and do whatever we want to do and, and leave? Um, I probably went to Pebble Beach and to the historic races maybe three times, and then at a certain point, I sort of thought, I think I could do this with these people. Um, I wasn't sure. I did feel out of place. Yeah. Coming from where I come from, I didn't really have any kind of pedigree for it at all. But I, I just sort of realized, um, I, I think I want to try this. So I just showed up with a car 10 years ago, basically. And I've, I've raced it every year since. And I, I have a very different background than a lot of those people, but certainly not all of them. Sure. It's a lot of regular folks up there. I mean, most of them have some sort of history. Their dad raced, you know, amateurs or something, you know, there's some pedigree normally, but not, you know, but not all of them. And, and also they're very uh, accepting friendly group. They're not snobs, you know, show up, bring your car, race, have a beer. The first question isn't always, so what do you do for work? No, I think people (laughs) have this, you know, sort of, fallacy that these guys are some sort of elite snobs and they, you know, they don't like outsiders. And it's, it's, it's kind of, again, it's back to my mom and what she thinks rich people are like, (laughs) but they're really not that way. I've, I've, I've found that there's friendly and inviting and gregarious and none of the, none of the trappings that we sort of grew up thinking watching rich people depicted in eighties movies, you know? Yeah, I got some friends that could buy my house 20 times over and some of the nicest, coolest people on the planet. Let's talk about yeah. Chassis Media and Pluto TV and racing with with going racing with Adam Carolla. And, man, the 24-hour war, uppity, 
um, winning the the race, the life of Paul Newman. Like those are fucking incredible documentaries. You know, why did you decide to get into that? And you know, how are you making them so good? And and where can people find all that stuff? Uh, people can go to uh, our chassis C H A S S Y channel on Pluto TV. I think it's six eighty seven, and watch everything for free. Um, it's all there. Um, I just wanted to tell those stories and tell them as best I could. And, and I think we definitely accomplished it. Um, unfortunately, Jay, I got to hop. I got yep. late for a podcast, but I do thank you for taking the time to talk to me. And I do thank you for taking the time to listen. Yeah, Adam, thanks for coming on the Hard Park Podcast. I know you have to run. Love to have you on at some point for a longer conversation. But thanks again. Yeah, we can do that. Thanks, Jay. Yep, bye. I want to thank Adam Corolla for coming by the show. Actually, I want to thank Adam Corolla for being able to take my phone call or actually give me a call on his way from point A to point B. Let me know what you liked about that. He's he's a guy who has an opinion on everything and actually has a well thought out opinion. Not everybody likes Adam Corolla. A lot of people say things like, "Oh, that's just a guy from the Man Show," or "He's a bigot," or "He's misogynistic," or "He's a," or "He's a he's a racist." And as somebody who have, who has listened to him for over 10 years, yeah, he has some strong opinions. He's definitely, uh, he can definitely be very pragmatic, but he does make a lot of sense in a lot of the things that he does say. His taste in music sucks, in my opinion, but we're from different times. And being able to have him on this show for you guys, well, let's just be honest here. That was more for me than for you. It's just a treat. Like one of those personal goals, like, oh, one day I want to have Adam Carolla on my podcast. Adam Carolla and Dan Lebetard are two people I would love to have on my podcast. I would love to have Adam back. He did commit to it. But, you know, sometimes it's one of those things where it's like when you quit a job or get fired. Yeah, keep in touch. Yeah, we'll hang out sometime. You never hear from your coworkers again, ever. Whether it's you not reaching out to them or them not reaching out to you. It's a couple emails maybe. Hey, what's going on? Laying on your feet, just thinking about you here at work. All right, cool. We should hang out sometime. Yeah, totally. Let's go grab a beer. Let's go grab some pho. Let's whatever. Nothing. And so hopefully it's not that. But if it is that, it'll be. I'll be okay. But I would love to talk to him even longer about other things because he knows because he can he can carry a conversation about anything. And it's weird. It's interesting when I listen to his podcast. So check him out at some point. He's, you know, ace on the house. My wife and I love listening to that because it's him and Eric Stromer. They're contractors. They take people's calls on home improvement and all sorts of stuff. He knows what he's talking about. The car cast show, he does with Matt the Motorator Deandria. And Matt does, Matt's this common person because every other episode, it's either Adam and Matt or Adam and Bill Goldberg, the wrestler, former wrestler. He's a big car guy. It's a little more difficult with Goldberg because his audio sucks. Like, he doesn't understand that part of the business. So it sounds like he's literally calling in every time from the middle of a hollow room. And it just, it's not good pod. So Matt carries that episode. But then when it's Adam and Matt, Matt doesn't have to carry it. So Adam does. And, but it's just, it's a really cool dynamic. And it's one of my favorite shows. He's got his regular show. He's got the Adam and Dr. Drew show. He's got Reasonable Doubt with Mark Garagos. So give him a shout. Not that he needs a any sort of, you know, shout out, or not that he's dying for listeners. He rep- he's in the top like point point zero four percent. I'm in the top five percent. Think about that point zero four. That means you are greater than the one percenters. Usually the Q and A segment is the last segment of the show, but I'm going to go ahead and transition over to Mr. Joe Tenalia. For the Q&A segment, and then coming up after that, why did Ozzy B sell two iconic Acura NSXs, first generation, for a second generation car? That is coming up in a little bit after the Q&A segment. It's time for the Q&A segment brought to you by The Credit Mix. Fix your credit, fix your life. Text HP Credit to 737-4-CREDIT. That's 737-427-3348. Schedule your first 15-minute free credit consultation today again text hp 
credit for hard parking credit. That's the credit mix, two double E's. Fuck, I fucked that up. That's the credit mix with two E's. Joe Tenalia, digital marketing director, inventory manager of Right Honda. You guys support this podcast. Happy to actually have you on the podcast to help me with some Q&A this week. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. All right, let's get rocking and rolling. So Rebecca asks, what are your thoughts on impatient people in traffic, driving up the inside or outside shoulder on the roadway? And are you the type of person that blocks them? Do you have an opinion on that? Uh, other than their dicks? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, no, but so, so wait, somebody that would like pull on like, through the breakdown lane? Yeah, like you know, yeah. I mean, you know, like when you're when there's construction on the interstate and there's the mm-hmm. impatient people and they just decide to go up the fucking like shoulder, the inside shoulder, oh, yeah. the outside shoulder. I mean, I've uh I've been there before and I've seen it happen, and then like I saw like a motorcade of like 10 people doing it, so I was like, uh, all right, and I kind of did the same thing. So I uh what was I'm the situation? Because there is there is a situation where it seems like I understand it, yeah. but like when you're I, I, when you're driving from from city A to city B, and mm-hmm. there's a sign that says lane ends in a mile, lane ends in a half mile, lane ends in a quarter mile, and there's the you cones, get the <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. uh, everyone's been on the i-17 and been stuck there so i know how frustrating that can be when you're heading like if you're heading up north or something or god forbid you're heading south and there's an accident i've seen people motorcade through the desert just to get like off to like carefree highway or something crazy no kidding uh, i guess uh desperate times call for desperate measures (laughs) but if it's like you said with the with the traffic cones if I mean, if you have enough warning to prepare for it and you're one of those guys that are on the far left and you got to merge like, you know, left two lanes closed up ahead and then you're like that guy that's the very last dude, uh, you know, as you're closing in and you're trying to get it. That's a dick move. So I usually don't let them in. <laughs> I think I've kind of turned my opinion on this a little bit because like, there's a time and a place. Like I've been in a crowded parking lot or, well, this is on the road, where you're on a crowded street and you see people who wish they would have exited, but they missed the exit. And then you end up seeing like five or six cars kind of go off. Usually they're pickup trucks or SUVs and they drive up to the exit and go the other way. I mean, I kind of get it. You know, it doesn't bother me that much. And it really doesn't bother me when people do it, like in your case. But I have to admit, every single time that happens, I think to myself, God, I hope there's a cop up there. I fucking, oh, I freaking hope there's a cop up there that'll nab their candy ass, but there's never the case. Oh, uh, no, that only happens if one of us decide to do that, I think. 100%. But, um, no, I know that's a big deal in Arizona, too, like the, when you cross the Gore Lane. Like, oh, that's a, that's a very Arizona thing. So people listening to the Gore Point, it's when you're getting on the freeway or you're exiting the freeway, it's that triangle it gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and then once it disappears, you're able, you're actually able to move over to the lane. And I think the story was like a police officer was in the gore. They call it the gore point. A police officer mm-hmm. had someone pulled over right a few years ago, and he got killed. And since then, it's become illegal. I believe, yeah, I believe it was a motorcycle officer and some. It's probably some soccer mom. He just ripped across like two lanes to get to the exit. And probably didn't see him or something. Took him out, but. Yeah, it's too bad. I got pulled I know, over for that. I know it's the big deal. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's a big deal. I've worked with DPS before, and I asked him about it, and he said that like nine times out of ten, you're getting like a you know three hundred dollar above ticket for that. So I got a warning. I got a warning. I Lucky. was actually coming back from lunch when I first moved here, working at the hospital, and I think maybe the hospital tags kind of got me off, and then also that I just okay. moved here, but it was yeah. It was, uh, I think we were exiting, coming off the highway to get to our whatever, our road, and I cut it, but I didn't cut like at the last minute. Mm-hmm. You know, I just did kind of one of those things where I, don't, I probably didn't cut across more than like a six-foot gap of it, but that's when I learned about it for the first time. But So Will asks, how many of the car parts that we see for sale posts, because they, air quotes, sold their car before they got their parts? are actually car parts that are stolen by UPS and FedEx drivers? I would say um, a good amount. It probably depends on where you're seeing them for sale. And then uh, 
what state you're in. And then, I mean, if the guy, if you go on Marketplace and the guy has catalytic converters for sale, you probably don't want to buy his car parts. Yeah, I always wondered, like, I don't think that's really a thing, but it actually could be a thing. But in this case, it's, you know, you're waiting on your car parts to be delivered by UPS or FedEx, and FedEx or UPS claims that they've lost the parts. You have to put a claim, but it's really the driver stealing the parts and listing them for sale. Like that, I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. It depends. Like, the guy has to be a supercar guy to be able to recognize just by a package or something, you know. That's true. I mean, if it says MagnaFlow exhaust on the outside of the package, chances are, not always, chances are it's got MagnaFlow in there. It is true. Or if it's like AmericanMuscle.com plastered all over the the packaging, probably good good sign that there's something expensive in there. It's probably not protein powder. So Kenny... Kenny asks, as the end of 2021 gets closer, is there anything you want to finish or close out by the end of the year? On the same note, what are you looking forward to in 2022? And do you already have noteworthy plans? I should have held on to this to like December. I want our dealership right now to hit, you know, 500 cars in one month. Um, now, you know, we're maintaining number one. With, with this, what's going on with the pandemic era and the, and the chips and there's just no cars. That was my moment. I can throw in right Honda has plenty of inventory. We actually are a lot more fortunate right now. So I got like 900 and something cars that are on order and in transit. There's no telling when they're going to be here. But, um, you know, I do have the inventory to pull it off. So that's one goal. I want to be right Toyota, you know, by the end of the year. And then I want to move into 2022 kind of with that precedent set and hopefully life gets back to normal and supply gets back to normal and we can, you know, hit the ground running in the new year, start killing it. Does that feel like a, is that kind of seen like a, like a sibling rivalry between you and right Toyota? Oh yeah. Every month we're getting closer and closer to Toyota. And like, it's kind of in a way we have like an unfair advantage almost right now because Honda's cranking out inventory a lot more than Toyota is. So we actually have the opportunity to, to beat them so we want to um it's it i don't think it's been as much as a rivalry though up until you know recently when the past two years we took over management over there and and i uh, kind of took the model that made right toyota so successful over to right honda so um it takes time but i think we're well on our way to doing so so i have a couple things number one you're doing better because your name is on my podcast cover. and Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, that goes to that question. And then number two, what about you personally? What um, are your as goals? Far as like my, personally, I, w- I would hope that the, the housing market gets better. I could buy a, a house that's not outrageously priced. I think that would be a cool one. Um, I've bought three cars in the past years. So my goal probably be to not buy a new car. As hard as that's going to be. I thought it would be to buy four. Yeah. There's still time. It's, it's only October. <laughs> I got two months left. Um, but just be have a better lifestyle and you know be happy, be healthy. Spend more time with family and ha- have good times in 2022 since we were kind of deprived of it in 2020. <laughs> Weren't we promised that 2021 would be so much better than 2020? But, I mean, I guess it is a little bit, but. You know, how do you measure how much better? But I'll tell you, for me, it's getting this podcast website up. Finally, I'm almost a year behind. and I kept teasing it and I stopped talking about it. And, you know, one of my dearest friends kind of helped show me the way. But I looked up and at the end of the day, I just don't have any time to commit to it, which kind of sucks. But, you know, I'm pecking away at it. And then as far as what am I looking forward to 2022 and do I have any noteworthy plans? The only thing I could say about that is stay tuned. Red asks, what's the best and worst movie of the year so far? So I don't know if you've watched a lot of movies. I watched some on Netflix, which counts. I watched some in the movie theaters, which absolutely counts. I'll go first and I will say the worst movie I actually watched on an airplane and it's called Cosmic Sin. So that movie has Frank Grillo in it. It has Bruce Willis. It has a few other names. Really? And it's based in like the year 2500 and something. And I oh want God. everyone to watch it. 
because it is so <laughs> like you want it to be good and it has parts of the movie if they, if they just went that direction it might be okay mm-hmm. but it's as if the writers and directors said you know what I have too many egos you guys just do whatever you want you just do you, <laughs> each of you just figure out what you want to do with this movie and let me know when you're done we'll wrap it up we'll package it and we'll put it out there so that is the worst movie I've seen it's I, I think a rule of thumb is if it's Bruce if Bruce Willis is in it and it wasn't in theaters, you should probably second think about watching it. It might have been or in theaters. Or, I don't or put, know. Add it to your watch list. Save yeah. it later. I don't know. <laughs> Sci-fi hour and a half, which it felt about an hour too long. And then <laughs> the best movie. I'm gonna say it's it's Shang Chi. Was that that new Marvel movie? It's, it's the move, new Marvel movie Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. I actually, yeah, I heard that that was actually good. It's really good. It's really marvelous. Yeah. I, I don't think it's so great, but it's far from terrible. It's definitely rewatchable, yeah. which is pretty good. Do you have anything for the uh, best and worst movies of the year? Uh, yeah. I've, I mean, the next, like, it's kind of crazy because the next two weeks, there's supposed to be a lot of good movies coming out. So I was, ex- I would hope that 007 will change oh, my mind after I, I see, see that, that this weekend. But, I would say the worst movie this year that I saw was uh, Cry Macho, that new Clint Eastwood movie. I just, I I don't know. I watched it on HBO uh, Max. It was uh, like one of those free, like straight to HBO movies. Right. And I love Clint Eastwood. And so I was like, oh, hell yeah, another Gran Torino. And it was just kind of like, just off. I don't know. It was... uh, I would suggest watching it and build your own opinion, but maybe I need to see it again. But I thought it was—I don't know—I thought it was kind of a kind of a miss. I was kind of disappointed. He's had a few of those lately. Clint Eastwood, Cry Macho, twenty twenty one drama western. I'm looking at it right now. Fifty nine percent on Rotten Tomatoes from the critics, sixty three by the people. Yeah. You want to know what but, Cosmic, uh, Cosmic Sin got? I'm gonna say thirty nine percent. The people gave it a 61. Somehow. The critics, three. Three percent? <laughs> three percent. <laughs> Jeez. So I recommend you check um, it out. We'll move on. Yeah. For new movies, though, I would say uh that movie Greenland. I saw with, that. That's pretty cool. With with uh what was what's Gerard Butler? Yep. That was a pretty yep. good movie. It's a good movie. Was, uh, it was on Amazon, I think. I think so. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty good. I, I never even saw previews or anything. I just saw it on there one day and wa- I just watched it and I was like, damn, it's a pretty, pretty good movie. Gerard Butler usually doesn't make bad movies though. So I agree. And it's, it's not an original. I mean, it's the same thing, an extinction level event potentially. And yeah, people got to get safe. It, and, you know, I mean, they could have rebranded it as like that one movie. What was it like 2022 or whatever, or 2012 or something back in the day. Yeah, and, and what was, was the? You know what same, another good movie, movie was? It's the Tomorrow War. Did you watch that? Is that a Netflix movie? Yes. I would have to see or hear about it. I don't know. I don't remember it off the top of my head though. The Tomorrow. It's, it's Chris Pratt. Uh, no, I don't remember. You check that. it out. It's not. I, I mean, it's it's not very original in its script, but it's actually a pretty good movie. If you can just stop being like this isn't original, or oh my god, that would never happen. It's, well, it has Chris Pratt, and I don't think he's ever really original in his movies. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> no, I'll check that out. Yeah, The Tomorrow War. The Tomorrow War. It's futuristic or something? Yeah. You'll, you'll have to watch it. And then uh, let's do one more. Quincy asks, Q, talk to Q. He has his podcast. He's been doing it for like 10 years. Actually, I'm going to get him on here because I want to pick his brain and just kind of interview him on that because it's hard to stay focused sometimes. And a lot of podcasters, this last couple of years in the pandemic era, we just decided we wanted to do this. But there's people like him that have been kind of flying on the radar for 10 years. And that's, mm-hmm. I like mad respect for that. And I want to get him on here and I want to talk to him about it. But he asked, why is gas, why is it that gas mileage hasn't risen significantly over the years? So he said, if vehicles in the 70s were getting 25 miles per gallon by now, everything should be around 75 miles per gallon. I have statistical real answers to that, but you know, do you have an opinion on that? 
I guess. Joe, uh, of, I would, Joe of right Honda. I would say just because the, I mean, the, the anatomy of what it is, you got a, you know, a combustible engine, we're burning gas, we're pedal to the floor sometimes, you know, uh, I think vehicles are a lot more high performance now. They're not, uh, I don't know, in the seventies, what cars had carburetors, I'm sure. So like shit like that, it could have something to do with it. And then probably to keep us from, keep us buying gas. You think it's the inside job? I think everything in some way or another probably is. No, just, yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, if it could be, um, but I know that, you know, some manufacturers strive to be as efficient as possible in regards, you know, some less than others. But uh, I think it's just the nature of the technology itself. So here's what happened, because he's right. But in the 70s, there was no Corvette, Camaro, uh, Ford, Chevy getting 25 miles per gallon. It was the tiny-ass Honda Civics yeah. Accords in the imports. And you had to exchange small, fuel-efficient vehicles that went 0 to 60 in 12 seconds with better gas mileage. Americans mm-hmm. wanted these big, powerful V8s. That's when the V8 just became everything. The world, we put mm-hmm. the world on notice. Not the most fuel efficient back then. So you got these big, heavy cars with these huge motors that are getting shit gas mileage. And America said, screw that. We don't want that. And so that's why our gas mileage went from super shitty to even more shitty to now the last five or six years it's coming back around. And you can mm-hmm. point to it. This was an article that came well, a couple of years ago on why America isn't as fuel efficient. And there's the, is it the Clean Air Act? There's some act that the government put into place that forced American automakers to be more fuel efficient. They I think said it's a, the EPA, right? It was the EPA Act or something where it's like, you look by, what was it? It was actually something like by 2020 or by 2018 or whatever, every vehicle of this class has to be doing at least this much fuel efficient and catch up with the rest of the world. And so that's really why we're not as fuel efficient as you would think by doing that simple math from the 70s is because American automakers didn't want to do it. And that's why so many jobs were lost, too, with all the bailouts a few years ago. Yeah. So I guess it's even longer than a few years ago now. So course correction, the American government, the EPA said, hey, cut that shit out, get to where the rest of the world is. And that's really kind of factually why we're not doing as good as you would think we would be doing. And it's the same thing with the airplane industry in a sense to where talk about an inside job. Airplanes haven't really become that much more efficient than they were 30 years ago. But I guarantee you, if you design the next airplane that's going to run on water, you don't have to worry about the rest of this shit. You will be murdered. Oh yeah. Someone will kill your ass because you're disrupting a multi-billion dollar industry that everybody has a piece of the pie in. I think that's, yeah, that's why it hasn't happened probably. Has what was, I mean, you'll end up, they'll say that you committed suicide by shooting yourself in the head twice. I don't know. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Or maybe that's on a different, that's if you're into politics maybe. But uh, I, I totally agree with that because I mean, there's just so many hands and generations of wealth and and bureaucracy and all these things, all these moving parts. And it's, I mean, we we hear all these, you know, great ideas and and everything. And it's, you know, it sounds great. And ideally it would be, but there's too many uh, cooks in the kitchen at the end of the day. I think that would be kind of a deterrent, you know. As soon as you stop taking food off of somebody else's table, your life is in danger. That's true. And that is the Q&A segment. I want to thank Joe Tenalia of Right Honda for joining the Q&A segment. If you'd like to be a Q&A segment guest, reach out to me. Let me know. Hardparkingpodcast at gmail.com. If you know me personally, shoot me a text or post on the Hard Parking Violations Facebook page. I'll be more than happy to bring you up here with me and we'll have a little bit of fun. So moving right along. You got 99 problems, but Ozzy B isn't one of them. Ozzy B problems. Welcome to the Hard Parking Podcast. I pulled you up here because, I mean, you have 
you had a first gen NSX, you sold it. Everyone's like, okay, what's next? You got a second gen NSX. It looks like you're enjoying the hell out of it. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, I've uh, been around NSXs for a while now. It was my dream car ever since I was a kid. So I had a bunch of them. Had two very special ones that I never wanted to sell, but I I had to sell one. And the reason behind that is because I wanted the NC1. So I was going to keep my 93, the white one. Do you not have the white one? No, I totaled it. Well, I didn't totally. I wrecked it. And I was just so heartbroken. I didn't want to fix it. Like I wanted everything original on it. And right. it, so I was like, all right, you know what? I'll just cut my losses and just get a new one. So which is what I did and I love it. That was the so you, best decision of my life. <laughs> so you sold the red and I was like, yeah. okay, what's next? And you go, that's all right. I got the white one. And then, so you, you wrecked the white one after you sold the red one? Yeah. So oh. the red one, I was never planning on selling, but at that point, there was nothing I could do to do to the car that would make it better. Like I built sure. it like literally the way that I imagined it. So it was perfect. You know, I was due for a time and bell. The seal started leaking again. I didn't yeah. want to go through the hassle of like refreshing the motor again. And I was like, man, I'm kind of like done with it. But I was like, maybe if I focus on the white one, because I never drove these cars at this point. They would just sit in the parking lot. I was like, all right, let me get rid of the red one. I'll restore the white one to like museum. I'm talking about everything original, like restore everything. Right. And I'll have that one. Once I'm done with that one, I'll bubble wrap it and put it in the garage. I'll never drive it just on holidays. And then I'll just shop around for NC1. So I take the white one to work on a Thursday. I call my, you know, my body shop. I was like, look, we got to respray this whole thing. I know I have three things, not a big deal, but I want fresh paint on it. I'm going to, you know, replace every seal, everything. Like I want it brand new. They're like, cool, I'll drop it off Saturday. So I take the car on Thursday. I detrim the whole thing, drive it back home. Friday morning, I wake up. I was going to take the car to work, take off the bumpers and have a car towed to the body shop. As I'm pulling out of like a neighborhood... I get swiped like some guy just hits my left front and just like rips the whole front end off. Not the whole front end. But I'm being dramatic, but yeah, no, I know. I know what you're talking car. about. Yeah. So at this point, like I already knew the car was totaled. So I get out of the car. I'm just like, I want to kill this guy. Like it took every strain in my body not to kill this guy. And he didn't have a license. Like it was uh, weird. It was, and he was trying to run. And I was like, uh, it was, it was a big ordeal. But anyway, I was found at fault because they said it was my fault. I wasn't looking, even though this guy was like speeding like twice the speed limit. But anyway, I didn't want to fight it, whatever. Um, they screwed me on the insurance claim, but at this point, I was just so mad and depressed. Like, I lost both of my cars. I literally felt like I lost my manhood. Like, no, like, no <laughs> joke. Like, I was, Emasculated. I was so sad. Yeah, my girl's like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. I'm just sad. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I've had cars all my life. but So I was like, all right. Everything, like, dust settled. I was so mad that, like, this was probably, like, in June. I was like, I'm going to take off of work. I was like, I don't want to work this summer. Like, I lost both of my cars. I just want to chill. I want to, like, do some cool stuff around the house and things that I never have time to do. So I took off the whole summer. So then I started looking for it. NSX. Everybody that knows me knows that my favorite color is red with white wheels. Everybody knows me. So I stumble across this red on red on red, which is like, you know, red exterior, interior, and calipers. When I saw this color combo, I was like, yo, this is my car. I have to have this. I was like, I don't know who built this car. I'm pretty sure people are going to find it ugly because it's red on red on red, but I was like, I want it. The mileage was a little higher than I wanted it, but I just well, called many, the guys. Like, how yeah. many miles are on it? So you're talking about your Curver Red NC1. How many miles are on it? I bought it with 28,000 a month ago, and I think I'm almost like 32. But it, 32, it's like, Oz, it, it doesn't matter though, right? Because I think like people are used to looking at the Ferraris and the McLarens and the Lambos and like, oh shit, if it has over like 10,000 miles, you might as well just scrap it. And I mean, at the end of the day, man. Like that's the best value I think for these NC ones. If you could find one with twenty eight, even I've seen some for forty thousand, forty thousand miles on them going for like one nineteen. It's a fucking steal if you could swing it, man. No, I have no regrets. Like I'm, I don't care uh, mileage wise. 
I don't care. I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna enjoy every single mile I put on this car, and I have been. And I beat the hell out of it the first week I had it coming back from Ohio all the way to DC. And yeah, it's a supercar, but it's a Honda, so it gave me absolutely no issues. It still runs strong. Like the best thing that I liked about the NA ones is that you could I could literally drive it like anywhere. I would literally be like, "Yo, I'm going to Florida this weekend. It's a 13 hour trip," but I would do it. And the only thing I have to worry about is like flat tires. Right. But it's like a, it's a Honda dude. These cars are just meant to be driven. So yeah, I'm going to drive the hell out of this one. You God, I can't believe it's that long ago that you sold the car. So I have a couple questions for you on that. Number one, have you always liked the NC one or they just kind of started growing on you? And then number two, do you miss shifting? Um, well, I've always liked NA ones. Like a red one was always my dream car. So I love it. I miss it. This is the weird part. I do love manuals and I know people hate the fact that all the cars are going to be like, you know, pile shifters down. But even when I had the NSX, I rented a 458 in Florida, which had paddle shifters. And it was a blast. I was like, this is a blast. I was like, shifting's cool, but like, I'd rather do this. It makes, it just makes you feel like you're in like, a fancier, more modern exotic. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I know what you mean, 100%. So I hope ever since I rented that Ferrari, I've been like, okay, I like pedal shifting. Once the R8s came out with the sheepy kit and like all the options they have, I was like, okay, I'll never go back to manual. Because then I drove my boys V10 R8. I drove a couple other pedal shifters. I was like, yo, this is cool. It literally feels like an F1 car. So I do miss shifting. I do miss my NA1s, but I wish I would have just bought the NC1, you know, when it came out. I would have just built my dream car that I wanted for almost the price that I paid for. Did you love it from day one? Like when they came out, because, you know, some people liked them, some people didn't. I really loved them a lot. And then I was like, all right, I can wait. And then after a while, it's one of those things where you're like, you know, I mean, were you thinking about one before you, before all this stuff happened? Or is it kind of one of those deals where you're sitting around kind of sad and shit? And then you're like, wait. No, no. I like ever since I've always waited for them to come out. So I've always knew I was going to have one. And like, I just uploaded a picture when the, they made, you remember when they went around the States showing the new uh, cars? So yeah, the, I had the, the, the two, right? They're doing the tour. Yeah. I had the opportunity to go to, to a accurate dealer down the street from my house. And, you know, we backed in my car to the showroom and I took a picture of the red that I have. And I was like, this is the red I want. I want every single carbon option possible. Uh, And so, but yeah, I mean, it worked out for me at the end. It's weird how things work out. But if I would have built one, it would have been red on red with the red calipers, the carbon ceramics, which it has and everything. But that was just like meant to be. And so I was like, yo, I'm picking this up. I didn't like negotiate or anything. I was like, I just want the car. Well, that's dope though. I mean, at the end of the day, and and I'm right there with you. And it's hard for people like, because you know, the, are the first gen NSXs are they're the holy grail to a lot of people who don't have them. And to some people who have them, like I've never selling this car. Mine is a dream car. I've, I've wanted it for so long. I've had it for so long, but it's like, it's, I want to experience other things. And so many of us, we try so hard to modify our early cars. You know, we put the car play in it. Like I did, you know, you want updated this updated that. And it, and it looks like a modern supercar, but it doesn't look like a, a 91 doesn't look like a modern supercar. It looks like a 91 exotic car. Yeah, we put the bigger wheels, the bigger tires, suspension, and sometimes it's just like just moving to something new. No, I get what you're saying. If it was up to me, I would have both. Obviously, that was a plan, but it didn't work out like that. But um, if I could have my white one, all original, and I could play with this one, that would be ideal. Hundred percent. If I was going to take a car out, it would definitely be the NC one all day, just faster, modern. Now, does it have um, anything would, done, like any science of speed or fab speed downpipes or anything, or is it just pretty much stock? No, it's all it's bone stock, but I already have all the things on order. Well, I'm about to place the order pipe in the next couple of days, but it's getting full exhaust from science of speed. Nice. With no valve, uh, downpipes, the JB4 box. I got springs and then the science of speed. They're, they're lowering kit. I just got a bunch of stuff, like the necessary stuff. I mean, I'm good. happy for you making that move. Of course, at the end of the day, that's, I say the same thing. It'd be nice to have one of each. Yeah. You know, just to kind of switch it up. Cars and coffee every once in a while, bring out the old one. And 
when you just want to chill and do normal shit, just, you know, take out the new one. Your progress is, yeah. is beautiful, I guess. Yeah, the white one would be like, I was, it's like definitely date night on, you know, or a Sunday to the winery type of thing, you know? Yeah. The NC one's for your boys. That's like Friday night, Saturday night, you're running around. I don't know, man. I'd almost say it's the exact opposite. Really? Uh, you know, my wife hates getting in out of my NSX and she would, she'll love the, you know, the, the convenience of the, of the NC one. Yeah, my girl did not like the red one because it had no cats, and she said it stunk because of the you know see no cats. She said she liked the white one; it's more comfortable. And I had re- I had Ricardo pole positions oh, in the red yeah. one, yeah. so she was like she didn't like riding in it. Well, I thank you yeah. for uh, sharing that story about the car. There's a lot of NSX owners that are kind of making that transition, and some of them are fortunate enough to have both cars. Yeah, man, for sure, for sure. Thanks for having me, man. Ozzy B problems. That's Ozzy B problems on Instagram. All scrunched together. O z t i e b p r o b l e m s. I wanted to go back and first off, thank you, Ozzy B, for joining the show, talking about your NSX and why you sold your other NSXs, and thank you, Joe Tonalia, for joining on behalf of Right Honda. I wanted to go back and touch a little bit on having Adam Corolla on the show. As I'd mentioned before, the guy is a, I'm a big fan of his. A lot of the, I've, I've, as someone who has listened to his show, I've taken a few things from him without even realizing it. And Wes Tankersley, friend of this show that you guys have heard on here before that I do One Drink Wednesdays with, has kind of pointed that out as I got him hooked on Adam Corolla. But there's things that I say that I've subconsciously stolen from Adam and things like when I start off a point and I say a couple things, stole that from Adam. Uh, when I say things like, you know, there's a version of this. I stole that from, from Adam Corolla. Uh, me dragging my us. Uh, thing is I've stolen that from Adam Corolla. So it's weird the stuff that you absorb from the things around you and the things that you consume. And I think it's kind of funny. Special thanks to India again for supporting this show through listens. I need you guys, everybody listening needs to tell everybody how good this show is. Thank you for my Patreon supporters as this year we get into the last quarter. Mark Stillman, Richard Grays, Byron Jones, Roderick, which is RJ, Byron Jones, Eddie Ramos, and Catherine Cox for continuing to believe in the show and to financially support this show. Your money goes toward my editing costs of the program, Adobe Audition, and as well as Adobe Premiere Pro, which allows me to make better content for the YouTube page, Hard Parking Podcast. So it's youtube.com, Hard Parking Podcast, or YouTube, or Hard Parking Media, or Hard Parking Media. Thank you to RJ of Kuya Automotive as a business supporter of this show. If you own a business and you want to become a business supporter of this show without sponsoring a segment, go to patreon.com forward slash hard parking podcast and sign up for everyone else. If you're in a position to help the podcast upgrade, join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month and get access to bonus audio as well as some show swag. I am working still on getting the, the actual website up. I have not got it up yet. Follow me on Instagram at jfending. That's J-H-A-E. P-F-E-N-N-I-N-G or J Travels, which is J-H-A-E underscore Travels. Join the Hard Parking Violations Facebook group. We have a lot of fun. We have regular contributors that post silly audio automotive. We have regular contributors that post silly automotive content, some historical content, a lot of fun. Head over to Facebook.com Hard Parking Media and like the page, the Facebook page. Maybe it's Hard Parking Park. I don't even know anymore. All I know is I can't grow without you telling the world how great this show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. And I'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! (laughs) Are you tired of blowing out your back at the bathtub while washing your dog or subjecting your canine to a water torture bath while leashed up to a post outside? Now there's a far more effective way to wash your pet while saving your back and keeping your dog happy. It's called Booster Bath, a portable bathtub on legs. Head over to BoosterBath.com, one word, and pick one up. Available in three sizes, this tub system features a drain, 
a soap cubby, and water controlling wand, this tub conveniently breaks down to be stored when not in use. Want to save 10% on your first time purchase? Head over and sign up today to make that happen. Boosterbath.com. Hey, this is Levi Epps, hashtag Mr. Financial Freedom of the Credit Mix here with a special offer for hard parking podcast fans. If you've been living with less than perfect credit for having evictions, late payments, bankruptcies, doesn't matter what it is. If it's something that negatively impacts your credit score and you're not able to get approvals for certain things, or maybe you got to pay large deposits and high interest rates, we don't want that to be you anymore. We have a program that will legally get negative items off of your credit report and keep them off. And we have a special code for a free consultation to see if we can help you. Text HP Credit to 7374 Credit. That's HP Credit to 737 427 3348. Let's get you back on the road to financial freedom.